Hey now, Vibers, we are back with our next episode, and today we're doing an episode on business. And those of you that know me or maybe have known me before, I did have a business for five years. I had a boutique where I had um, clothing, accessories, all things from all over the world and things that I would bring back from my travels. We also hosted classes and also hosted events at the boutique. It was one of the most amazing things I have ever done in my life. And in December, we closed it because our lease was up and we decided we were not going to renew. We were going to try to find a better location. But, you know, my uh, podcast is based on travel, business, and style. And so one of the things that we're talking about today is definitely business. I hope you have had the opportunity to listen to our other podcasts. We have been giving you guys some really good info on um, travel, but we've also had a fun, a little bit of fun with style with the uh, Real Housewives of New York. And uh, Rusk was, you know, an amazing contributor as he assigned a different line for these different housewives that we um, talk about and we love every time we watch them on TV. I appreciate you including me. Yes, I these love you. I love it that you're here. I love it that right. you're a part of it. How much convincing does it take? Doesn't to convince, it doesn't take a lot of convincing <laughs> at all. It takes okay. a little bit of wine. Oh, okay, right? okay, okay. It takes okay, a little bit of, you know, getting loose, mm-hmm. getting that part of the brain going to talk a little bit. I'm more of a thinker than a talker, so but I eventually uh, get it going. Right, and I think one thing that people observe about you is that you stand back and you look around and you right. survey. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're an observer of people. Yes. That's definitely right. a fact. I'm an astute observer of people that's right of, yeah. of human behavior always been that way yes 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 but you know what he is in for the challenge and today we're talking business and let me give you a little bit of background on, on rusk and his business he just recently retired this is 2020 he was in business from 1999 to 2019 almost 2019 Almost 20 years, right. but in 2018, he was bought out by a real estate developer. A real estate developer. They um, came in and saw an opportunity, and Rusk was at the point where he was um, tired. He had a tire in the auto shop. A auto, well, how do you call it? Auto, auto, repair auto, shop. Repair shop. auto repair shop. And so he was there. He had been there for maybe to 18, yeah, at least two decades. I, I've been eight there to 19 since years. I was a kid. Yeah, since you were a kid. At least 20 years. Yeah, summers and weekends while I was in high school. So, Rusk had the foresight, yeah. maybe five years in the business, to buy the property, to buy the land. Right. And I think that was the game changer for him. The minute that opportunity arose, you took that opportunity and you said, Yes, I am going for it and I will do whatever it takes to buy the property. And um, it was one of the most Amazing decisions I think you've ever made in your yeah, life. I think so. I mean, it was definitely, it gave me the, it gave me the uh, ability uh, to, to uh, do some other things in life that I've kind of been wanting to do. I was, I have a background in economics and finance from the University of St. Thomas. And uh, I've always, and that's where we met, you that's guys. That's where we met. And that's, mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to use that background a little bit to challenge myself. I inherited this business from my father when I was 21 years old. And I just want to kind of prove to myself that I could do something from mm-hmm. scratch as opposed mm-hmm. to doing something from um, 
that's already kind of built and established yeah. and then kind of taken it to a different level, which I was fortunate enough to do because my father's background was a little bit different. He was an electrical engineer. He came late into life, mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. having a business. He was at it only for a few years until I kind of moved in to take his place. And so I had a lot more opportunity, a lot more time to kind of improve upon the business, watch it grow, yeah. uh, make some changes, kind of put my own stamp on it, my own fingerprints. And then, yeah. you know, 20 years is a long time. You know, Tom Brady retired after 20 <laughs> years and, and I've, I've read. Is him. he retired? Tom? Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, I'll take that back. Tom Brady switched teams after 20 okay. years. So he's still, he's still in football. I'm sorry. I kind of yeah. jumped the gun. But, you know, I, I did kind of decide to do the same thing. And then I've coincidentally have read. I don't know, several times over the last maybe two years, the 20, 20 years seems to be the magic number uh, for having a transition in life. Yeah. It doesn't, most folks don't last that much longer, especially not from Generation X. You know, the generation that preceded us seems to last a lot longer. Right. You'll, you'll hear the 35, 40, right, 50 right. year kind of mark in, yeah. in terms of doing their own business, but not uh, not our generation. I hate no. to see what the generation that comes after us because they seem to be changing jobs every six months. <laughs> okay. But, uh, oh, that's another episode we yeah. need to go into, Mr. Elatasi. <laughs> what are your thoughts on the millennials? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to be around when they take over oh, the world. Oh, gosh. But things can change. Hey, things hey, can change. Hey, we'll hey. see. It's too, it's too I'm soon kind to of excited that they're going to be the ones taking over. Right. I, I'm from a different perspective, but we'll talk about that in a different episode. Right. But today we're going to be talking a little bit about the lessons we learned in our businesses. I had mine definitely a little bit less, definitely most less than Mr. Latassi, but he had his for a longer time. So there were a few lessons. And so we're going to talk about three lessons that we learned, three important lessons that we learned as we were business owners. Um, I can tell you that I come from a an education background. I have my master's in principalship, so I could very easily, quite easily go back and be an administrator of a school, and I'm pretty good at that. I'm very good at bossing people around and telling people what to do, but anyhow, um, no, 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 I, for sure. I've, I enjoyed my teaching years. I taught uh, almost, almost 17 years. Um, the first few years in a, as uh, elementary school, then middle school, and then the last seven years at the college level at University of Houston downtown. And during this whole time, uh, I worked full-time, I worked part-time, anyhow, learning a little bit from the guy over here that's going to tell us his first lesson in business. And this is coming from someone who's had his own business. It's um, family-owned, small business, small, you know, he did have um, the name, the Goodyear name, but... I think that uh, wasn't really as influential. What do you think, Russ? No, the Goodyear name wasn't as influential. That was just a product that I was selling. Okay. It wasn't really, you know, I don't know. The tires. The, the right, tires right. and all that kind of stuff. It just And it was only 20% of my business. The majority of the business is all really about customer relations. But before I get into that, the first lesson that you kind of, you, you learn right off the bat, especially as a 21, 22-year-old kid, is dealing with employees. And mm-hmm. the folks that I had inherited, the crew that I inherited was much older than, than mm-hmm. I was. They were in their 40s. They were in their 50s. Not only were they, you know, obviously good at their craft, but they just have more experience in life. Yeah. It doesn't matter your education level. It doesn't matter what uh, what exactly you do for a living. Is that just the fact that you're that you're that much older, learning how to deal with people, and then and then having them accept you. I was a kid to them, and I came in the show. You know, my dad had the, had the place before me and my father was in his 50s, 60s. So they kind of see him at, saw him as a father figure. They kind of see him as one of their peers. But I wasn't looked at as one of their peers uh, when I had come into the business. So I had to adjust quickly. I had to grow up quick. 
yeah. obviously I had a sense, I had a good level of maturity that my father entrusted me with the business, but I had to have, I had to take that maturity to a different level. Mm -hmm. And then I had to learn very quickly how to take what I learned that a lot of the employees don't get along with each other. There's a lot of personality conflicts. There's a lot of egos going on. There's a lot of competition right. between, you know, who's getting what hours and how much each person is getting paid and what work they're being, you know, required to do for the same amount of money. So you had to find different ways to balance all that mm -hmm. without losing uh, talented workers because they were talented. They did, they were good at what they did. They were highly skilled. They were highly skilled and, you didn't want to, you didn't want to, you know, take a step back and then lose somebody simply because that, you know, they didn't get along with somebody else. You were almost kind of like playing referee and you're kind of playing father at the same time. You're kind of holding their hands a little bit and uh, then you had to earn their respect. And you, yeah. know, you don't think that's necessarily the case, but if I was 45 or 50 years old, I was one of their peers and that probably mm -hmm. would have not been an issue, mm -hmm. but being half the raise, they saw me as a son more than they saw me as a boss. And so I had to, Make it make it clear to them that there was a fine line between the two. Right. No, I remember those days. I remember your stress because of that and how that affects you. So here's my first lesson. Since you just gave us your first lesson in dealing with employees, my first lesson would be, um, for sure. Let me see. I have it here. I have it written down. Uh, you know the location. I think the location of the business really had a lot to do with how how influential I became in you know in in terms of my area in terms of my business in terms of who came over I was a little too far out for the women who would appreciate the sorts of things that I was doing um I was very much in in, in the thought process that, you know, if you have something really unique, something special, something different, that people would come. But what I discovered is in my neighborhood, I just didn't have that. I didn't have, I did have some that understood that. And I had some that became VIPs and became really, really amazing shoppers. But, you know, honestly, those ladies were very, a handful. You know, they did not have that, that mentality of, you know, buying boutique is not buying mass-produced merchandise it's really buying something that's unique that's special and it's one of a kind you're not going to find anywhere else and I think just the community where we set up our business was just not conducive to that we did set it up there just because for us it was just more convenient in terms of where I live and where my boys went to school but you know, what I was offering and the product and the service that I was offering was not really for, for that community where I was. Not to say that I did not have a few, you know, amazing ladies that would come in and understood and appreciated and they knew where to come and get their things and, you know, made it special. But um, I think it's more of an inner city, you know, right. business and service that we would provide. So that was really my number one lesson right there. Oops, there goes my microphone. So what would be lesson number two for you? I well, guess. lesson number two uh, would be obviously dealing with customers. Right? Almost similar to lesson number one is that you also had folks. I was still young and I had to also obviously had to learn how to deal with people that were much older than me. But really, you know, most folks don't enter a business and dealing with people that are that much older. Sometimes you're dealing with folks that are of your same age, but not really in the auto repair business, especially in the demographic that I was working in, in River Oaks, a very established, very older age demographic. But what I had learned is 
I think what a lot of people, when they have their own business, they understand this is it's about, you know, doing the job right the first time, yeah. uh, doing it quickly mm -hmm. and doing it honestly. And if mm. you can do all three mm -hmm. and you, without having a, you know, any kind of issues or hiccups, I think you have a success for business. And, but, uh, you know, with that said, it's, it's not as black and as white as I had just painted. It's a very gray area because my business happened to be a very linear left brain kind of business. And there's a lot of right brain businesses that I learned when Alicia had her store that involves a lot of creativity and a lot of marketing, a lot of uh, finding different ways to stand out. Uh, to differentiate yourself. And that really wasn't required in my business. Mm -hmm. I just really had to follow those three tenants. And the business came because I was fortunate enough to be working in a demographic that was affluent. And they just, if I met those three, then, mm -hmm. then I was good. But I didn't have to really do a lot of marketing. I didn't have to do a lot of advertising. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of public transportation in this city. So the cars are the only really true form of transportation. So there's always going to be business. And I had eight shops within half a mile that I was competing with. By the time, uh, then a lot of developers had started to come in towards the 2005, 2006 areas, and they bought up some of those shops that turned into banks and some other developments. Right. I was still down to four, and I heard some of those businesses. But, but so my point is, is that you don't have to. I didn't have to do all that stuff. I just had to work hard, open the shop on time, close the shop on, t you know, close the shop and make sure everybody's cars got done at the time they were, they were promised. You had to deal with the suppliers. You had to deal with uh, the vendors and you just kind of had, you just have to have the whole, it was a very linear process. And but let me add to this because right. I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit is you have to learn your community very, very quickly. Right, sure. The sorts of things that matter to them in terms of like quick, they needed something fast. They needed something yeah efficient they sure. didn't care how long it they didn't care how much they paid you they wanted you to do it right. yesterday yes. so you really learned a lot about their idiosyncrasies about that community yes. and i think that it's something that you know you really don't don't think about you think oh you managed your you know your customers right. but no you really didn't you learned their 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 behaviors right. you learned what sorts of things made them happy and what sorts of things pissed them off because you made sure that you covered those bases every time those very affluent customers mm -hmm. walks in that you knew their name you knew their phone number right, off right. the top of their that right. you knew their model you knew their car you knew the last time right, that they I, had come in right. for a check i had taken a very customized approach yes. to each customer exactly I got to know them more than i expected them to know of me i knew about their kids i knew where schools they were going to yeah i knew this customer likes this done faster doesn't mind to pay a little bit you more. learn each customer right. I individually i almost knew most of their phone yes. numbers or license exactly. plates yeah so i made it feel like it was a family kind of business and that it wasn't just you're you know, walking into a dealership right which is what most right. people really hate like you're not right. walking into you, dealership, right. you're just a number yeah you go into the dealership yeah. and yeah you get your fancy coffee yeah. your fancy yeah. sandwiches your fancy tvs I didn't have any of that. Exactly. You know, to me, it was the auto repair shop was simply a very uneventful, non-sexy thing that people had to do because it was their car. Their car was sexy to them. Their car was <laughs> a representation of who they yeah. were. But how it got repaired wasn't part of that paradigm. And 
you know, some people like that, but I didn't think that was necessary. And I, and I was successful out there in River Oaks without having to, mm-hmm. you know, in, invest in those particular marketing gimmicks that you get at the dealerships. And you're right. And I appreciate you bringing that up. But it was, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and I think that's important because I we go to other businesses and a lot of the times the owners are always talking about themselves. And I think you want to attract somebody to make mm-hmm. them feel loyal. And I think the way you make them feel loyal is by always yeah. reaching out to the client. Always knowing what they're needing before they walk in that door. It's like sort of like knowing them before they walk into that door. And that's lesson number two for me is, you know, um, a little bit different from Rusk. The way he handled stress and the way that I handled stress was a little bit different. I think that I stressed myself out probably maybe 50, 60 percent of the time without it being warranted because I always wanted to be ahead of the game. I always needed to be. You know, I needed to know what my clients needed, what my customers were coming in for, what else could I provide for them that they didn't have before. A lot of those things were that. So that's my second lesson is, you know, I probably stressed myself out without having to stress myself out, having to put in more effort. And my customers who loved what I was doing, who loved what I was providing, were pretty happy with what we were doing when we had at the store. But I think, you know, being a mom and being a wife and being a business owner really kind of become one. And so you come home and you don't, you know, um, disengage from your business. You come home and you engage continuously on your business. You post another thing on Facebook or one of your customers will text you and say, hey, are you going to be there tomorrow? I'm coming in. I need to pick up da-da-da-da. All those things that you think, okay, for Rusk as a man, as a husband, as a father, he was able to disconnect the minute he walked in and he was able to just go off beyond his business and do his thing. For me, I knew that if I needed to keep my clients, I needed to be on all the time and even if they text me at 10 o'clock 11 o'clock at night and ask me for something I was going to be there and do that for them and ultimately looking back in retrospect I didn't have to do all of that I think they would have been okay if I just text them back the next day at 7 a.m say hey I'm up now I got your message but I was so committed to being so present and so on point with all these customers that I think that I just lost track of how to divide or how to separate my family life from my business life. So that's something that I really just look back and that's a lesson that I really learned now that I'm looking back, I'm not going to do again because obviously once you know better, you do better. But yeah, that wasn't easy. And so I remember just having moments where I just don't remember sending my kids off to school or remember if my kids didn't have something they needed for a field trip or for some class project. Because I was just overly consumed with that. And I think that's one thing that we don't have to be. We don't have to be all or nothing. Like we can be bits and pieces. I'm just wired that way. I don't know how to be all or nothing. I don't know how to be 120, 130% or nothing. Like I don't know how to just do okay and be okay. Right. And I think that actually leads me to my third lesson is that you brought that up is that I learned early on and there's a lot of lessons that I have. I learned later on that I would have probably gone back, but there was a lot of, those a lot of nuanced lessons and idiosyncratic stuff. But, but as a big picture kind of lesson was that I I never brought my work home with me. And, you know, there was a switch that I luckily 
knew how to manage well was a on and off switch. And what's what happened in work stayed at work. And when I went home, that switch turned off and I gave my attention to family. But mm-hmm. I didn't really do that at the beginning until I started having my first son. And then after the first son started growing up, that I got better at turning that switch on and off because I knew that, you know, you decide to have kids in this world. It's not an obligation. It's something you choose to do. And just like you try to, I always say that if you're going to do something, you might as well be good at it. Otherwise, don't try to, you know, don't don't partake in it just to do it. Yeah, if you can do anything, right. be freaking be good at good it. At you it. Know, yeah. Dedicate time to it, but don't dedicate, you know, it's that fine line, it's that balance. How do you learn yeah. how to do something, be 100% at something and still, you know, dedicate time? And I think that you can still do 100%. You just have to learn to turn the switch off and then dedicate your time to your kids, to your wife, to your friends, to yeah. your family, because you got to have a good balance. Otherwise, work no longer becomes fun. Because if you're that's constantly true. stressing all the time about your work and then you're taking out that stress on your family and your friends. And there was times, with, you know, with Elisa's family and her brothers and sisters that I would take it out of them. I'd come home upset. I'd come home stressed from work. And, it, it you know, I'm not saying it always happened that I was able to turn the switch off. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of times where the switch stayed on. And and I took it out on people. I was antisocial. I was just tired. I didn't really want to deal with anybody. And that was that was a lesson that I had learned is that there's time for work, there's time for play, and you know it's not about how hard you work, it's about how smart you work. I know mm-hmm. that's easier said than done because mm-hmm. there's days where it's just hard work, and there's mm-hmm. weeks that it's just hard work. Mm-hmm. But you always have to keep going back in your mind and reminding yourself of the good days when the when you have bad days, and you mm-hmm. have to remind yourself that when you do have good. Uh, when you when you can't turn that switch off, when did you when were you able to turn that switch off and go back in yeah. line? What it took to get to that point? Because mm-hmm. there was there was moments in the day where I was just there was forty cars going on, the phones were ringing off the hood, mm-hmm. people wanted their stuff back. Mm-hmm. I would have to literally close the door in the inventory room, take a deep breath, yeah. and and you know just tell my manager I said I'm not I can't handle phone calls for five minutes. I just need to, I need to catch up mentally. Yes, and you have to do that. It's like a quick form of meditative response and that's kind of how you get through the day because ultimately your business is as another kid it's another it's another son it's another daughter yeah and i think the the thing that you discovered along the way was that your business classes your economics classes didn't teach you any of that they don't prepare you for any of that and i think you you do apply some theory maybe a little here and there but you that's all theory it's honestly learn along the way I know, as a teacher, I had no idea. I mean, my third lesson was asking to get paid. I didn't know how to get paid. I didn't know how to ask people, you know, how to send invoices and that sort of thing. But, you know, one thing that I want to do cover before we go is, you know, for businesses who are dealing with the the COVID-19 thing going on right now and how they're struggling with their own businesses is one thing we were very clear about from the beginning was that we were going to be um, – very, very prudent about everything that we spent on and every penny. I When I am telling you this guy counts pennies, he counts pennies. Uh. And you know what? Ultimately, honestly, honey, I think that's what made the difference in your success and whatever you did was because you counted every single penny that came in and every single penny that went out. And if it was, it was, if it was only $10, you fought for those $10 because you believe those $10 were yours. Or if, you know, somebody owed you for something, you fought for those, you know, whatever it was. And you still do that. And I think that is one of the keys for why you were able to succeed as much as you did was I think you were very clear about 
in moments and times when abundance was there, you did not overspend. You did not go crazy and say, oh, woohoo, we're going to go get a new house. Woohoo, we're going to go get a new car. Or woohoo, we're going to go, you know, and get another business because we were always offered businesses, always offered another business. Hey, this one's on sale. You should go buy that one. Stay humble, stay hungry. And we always had that same theory, that same vision, that same mentality from day one, from 1998, when we both got together, we were like, if this is number one for me, it was, if this is going to take you away from your family, away from me, it's a no for me. And for you was always like, okay, if it's going to stress me out more and it's going to put me, we are already type A personalities. If you're going to go to the next level and like really have to do like a serious, um, investment on another business, we're going to have to go in all the way. We're not just going to go in halfway. And we considered all those things, but I remember in really, really good times, we did not overspend. We did not go crazy. We always put money away and we always said, okay, one day it's, we'll spend it and we'll, we'll spend it. We'll spend it on our travels. That's going to be it. Like that's going to be the only thing that we're going to, you know, be a little, crazy about and that was going to be our travels and people who see our travels nowadays they're like oh my god how do you guys go here how do you guys go there and that's why we do it now but we've been doing it because that was the one thing that we did put money aside for but when things were were great and things were amazing and firestone was going down and goodyear was doing great russ was putting money aside in the bank and he was like okay we're we're just putting it away we're putting it away we're putting it away we're not spending we're not spending we're gonna we're not gonna spend and i think that's one of those lessons that we can like definitely impart to small businesses is that when the good is going good put it in a savings account. Don't spend it and don't try to open a second business until the first one is well established. Always have money for a rainy day because there's always a 2001, there's always a 2008, there's always a 2020. It's going to come in your generation. It may come once, it may come three, four times. Always be ready for it. Just because times are rolling, they could be good for 10 years, it's going to hit. It's just the nature of things of how it rolls in this world and you should always have money set aside for that. It makes things a lot easier. It does. And, and you know, find yourself someone who, who who values those things as well. You know, I know a lot of women who have a business and or their, or their husbands have a business and they're, you've got to impart to them how important it is for you to have those values in a business because when you come home and you decide you're going to, you know, hey, somebody offered me a second business, I think I'm going to go over there and invest. If you don't have that conversation with somebody that can give you some really good insight and give you some really good background or just ask the questions, that's not a good business to take on. Like you've got to have somebody that's going to ask the questions. Like Russ will bring me along if he wants me to just, you know, give him a gut feeling about someone. Um, if there's a business investment that he's jumping into or he's about to encounter a business meeting, he will bring me along just so that I can give him my gut instinct because my gut is always like, you know, something I really trust. And I always say to him, I'm just not comfortable with this or this is going to be great. This is going to be amazing. I really feel like you should go with this business. This is a good investment for you. But we really, you know, bounce a lot of those ideas and we bounce a lot of those um 
contracts and agreements with each other. And so find somebody that you can you can go to and bounce things from somebody that you trust, because it's really important that you have somebody around that can give you a really good outside looking in perspective and doesn't have a bias. A lot of times people that are yes, people will say, hey, yeah, do it. I love the idea. I think it's great. But they're really not looking into what is the future? What are the prognostications what are the what is the potential what are the ROIs you know what is going to come from this and I think a lot of people don't have that and so definitely think about those things as you're opening a business but again I hope that you guys are enjoying our podcast we are doing this on <laughs> quarantine time <laughs> um, well, you know we have there's there's more time that's available so it makes it more possible and I've actually convinced Mr. E to come in and help me out and join you in. Didn't take much convincing. <laughs> I to take a bottle, a few glasses of wine. I have to go pull out the wine right now. But no, no, no. Seriously, I want to hear what else you guys have in terms of questions. If you have any questions for us, um, it comes with business questions, with its travel, if it's lifestyle, whichever of those you feel you know, um, you want to have an answer for. We we talk about our kids. We talk about our relationship. We do all of that as well. But um, we really would love just some specific questions on anything, you know, just living together and being together, being married together, being like with each other 24-7. It's not easy and it's never been easy. But I think one thing that we've definitely tried to do is give each other space and give each other some time. And so that's definitely one of those um, important factors. But definitely, please share our podcast with everyone you know. Share what you like about it. Give us some feedback. Post on the comments. Share with everyone. And we would love to hear from you. So here we are checking out. And uh, next time, I don't know, what are we going to talk about? There's so many different things we want to talk about. Yeah, we'll figure something out. We've got a lot of time on our hands. <laughs> we do. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Great. Thank you.